The following is a sermon recorded at Reality Church. Please join Pastor Jason as he exposits the word from Romans. So good to be in God's house. I would ask for you, for you to set aside some time in prayer for those churches that still have not been able to meet since March. There are some. Uh, pray for them that the people are are standing in, in the Word of God and what they've learned. And even though uh, they're getting their word through technology. Pray that they're getting the word of God through their ministers and that their lives are being helped and changed. But let's pray that this, uh, this stoppage of God's people meeting uh, would, would be ended and that these people can get back together in, in fellowship and in worship together. I uh, want to continue with Romans. We are about to finish chapter 6. We are to the last verse of chapter 6. And it's honestly one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. But as I was thinking about today's text, it began to, to be clear to me and become even more clearer that there are really only two paths and two destinations that our lives can take. Um, Jesus taught this in his earthly ministry. He taught... A straight and narrow path versus a wide, destructive path. He taught sheep versus goats, right? He taught left versus right. He taught wheat versus chaff. He taught live branches versus dead branches. You constantly see Jesus making two distinctions between two paths that we can take in this life with two destinations at the end of that path. And, you know, Christ had no, no issue teaching that distinction. He taught it in in so many different ways in his teachings. He wanted to make sure that this truth was completely understood by the people who heard him. And that's why he liked to use parables. He liked to do those things because he was trying to make sure that they did understand what was going on. So, you know, he, he taught this. So we want to continue in his tradition. And Paul actually in this verse that we're going to look at today continues teaching in the very same tradition of Christ. In this very familiar text, um, Paul gives a clear statement about both paths and both destinations. And Paul gives, gives us a better understanding through what he's trying to explain in his verses. He also stays in that tradition. He, by giving the way to eternal life that we should all seek to gain. So, here's the thing. We can take two paths in life. But any path that we need to take on, we need to understand the way to get there. So as we look at these two paths, I want you to keep in mind the way to get there. Now hear the infallible, inspired word of God. Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, that it is infallible, inerrant, and inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
by the very hands that wrote this text, God. He wrote exactly what you meant for him to write. These are your words breathed out onto his paper. We ask that you would remove the veil that would block us from receiving this revelation knowledge, that we may receive it, bless us with this revelation knowledge, that we may retain it, sanctify us all by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is a very familiar text, right? We've heard this text preached many times. You've heard it preached here. And one thing about this text is that it's one that I've preached out of its true context. I have preached this very verse out of its true context based on what Paul is trying to say. And I want you to know that I repent of that. Because we're going to take this thing back into context and we're going to see exactly what Paul was trying to tell us. So, as we take this in context, it's clear that Paul is continuing to preach the same message that Jesus Christ preached on this earth. He is preaching the very same message. It's almost as if he had Matthew 25 laid out in his lap as he was reading it. John 3 laid out in his lap as he's reading, as he is, as he is writing these very words to teach the Roman church. You see, there are two paths with two destinations, and you cannot sneak in any other way. There's no back doors. There's no way to sneak in. It's very clear. The first thing that Paul talks about is that the wages of sin is death. Now, I want to read to you what Charles Hodge wrote in his commentary. I thought this was a very good explanation of what Paul's trying to say here. And we'll expound on it. But listen to what Charles Hodge said. He said, the reason why death is the result of sin is that sin deserves death. It is as much a matter of justice that sin should be followed by death as that the laborer should receive his wages. Those, therefore, who hope for pardon without atonement... Hope that God will in the end be unjust. You see, God is just. And in order to see God's mercy, we've got to see his justice. That he is just to punish sin. That it is well within his judicial rights to punish sin. Why? Because he is a holy God who is offended by sin. If we don't understand that, how could we understand that we need his mercy? We must understand his justice and his right to it in order to understand that we need from God his mercy to save us. So know that. You see, those that feel that they do good and are not deserving of hell must understand this, that we are all deserving of hell because of the great evil of our sin. Not because we've done bad works that would get us thrown in jail and we know that, 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 that there's people who've done evil things in jail. But the fact that we sin against not just us, not just against others. We sin and offend a holy God in doing so. How do I know that? I want to look at this first part of Habakkuk 
And it talks about how God views sin. It says, you who are, uh, are of pure eyes than to see evil. You cannot look at wrong. God is so holy, so pure, so good that he can't even look at it because it is so offensive to him. Our holy God cannot even look at wrong. He is just. Sin must be punished. And there's a specific way in Scripture that this is described, this punishment, as eternal punishment in a place called hell. A place made for the devil and his angels is how this place is described. Without Christ, this is our eternal place. There's no, no stopping to it, no annihilation of your body so that you're done. That's how offensive our sin is because that's how holy our God is. And this is a fearful thing. And it should be. The world needs to know it. We need to understand it. Hebrews 10, 13 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It can be very fearful to fall into that wrath. And we need to understand that that first path is where we're all headed at the beginning, right? We've all been on that path at some point in our lives. But there's a but in this verse. And after that but, it says this. The free gift of God is eternal life. The free gift of God is eternal life. Calvin pointed out in his commentary that this is not written. Eternal life is the free gift of God. Because Paul wants to make sure that the focus that we have is on the great gift that we receive. So, what is the gift? Of course, he mentions eternal life. But listen, what you need to understand is eternal life is not just heaven. It's not. I want you to look at how Christ described eternal life. He said this in John 17, verses 2 and 3. He says, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. He's praying to the father and he says, this is eternal life that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So if we look and if we're honest, the great gift is to know our God and his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the great gift that is eternal life. And that's a beautiful thing. I love how. Martin Lloyd-Jones put this. This is kind of a lengthy quote, but I just couldn't cut it off anywhere. It seems like you start reading what he's saying, and then you're like, I'm not going to cut it off. I'm just going to keep going because it's so good. Listen to what he says. When he's speaking of eternal life, he says this. It is to know God. Not merely to know about God, but to know Him. And to know Him 
in an ever-increasing degree of fullness. It means, therefore, all blessedness, unalterable and spotless holiness, and imperishable glory. It means not only that we shall continue to exist, but that we shall go on living in the presence of God. We shall see God. We shall live in the light of the Lamb. And we shall be perfectly holy. We shall also be glorified. And we shall be like our blessed Lord. 1 John 3 verses 1 and 2 say this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Eternal life truly begins at the knowledge, the true knowledge of our God and Christ. So we see Paul here has laid out two paths with two ends. We have the wages of sin is death. So we're on a path, a sinful path that will lead us to eternal punishment in hell. Or the free gift of God is eternal life. We're on a path where we are born again, headed into eternal life, knowing God and his son Christ already. That is the only options. There is no other way. There's no way to sneak in. There's no other path leading you to, to God. It is only the knowledge of God in Christ. That's it. Now, in order to make this even more clear, I want to take the words of the Savior. Because he taught this in a very distinct way in Scripture. That there are two ways. And that's it. Only two ways. In Matthew 25, he says this. Verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Whereas I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was sick and you clothed me. I was, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, uh, when did we see you hungry and feed you and, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you. 
As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, I want to break this down a little bit. Because as you can see, Christ is going to be the one who judges. That's very important to remember. That Christ is the one who's going to judge. Not anybody else. Christ. And in verse 34, it says, Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Blessed by God to enter our inheritance that was prepared before the foundation of the world when he shed forth the, the plan of redemption. Our inheritance was ready for us. The plan of redemption will be completed and it will not fail. Notice Jesus mentions these works in the text which show as we've talked about, the fruit of sanctification. Christians do good because they're Christians. A cat meows because it's a cat. A dog barks because it's a dog. We are Christians, therefore we do good. Not as a root of our salvation, but as a fruit of the great things that Christ has done for us. Now, in verse 46... Christ makes it very plain that there are two paths with two destinations. He said, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. First, let's look at this thing. The righteous into eternal life. We have no righteousness of our own. We need Christ's righteousness. His righteousness draped around us clothing us in his righteousness. That's what we need. But it's either eternal punishment or eternal life. There are no other ways. There is no back door. There is no good person clause that would take somebody out of one path into another. There is only one way to eternal life. What is that way? How do we get there? What's the path we take to get to eternal life? Well, Paul didn't leave chapter 6 by just distinguishing the two paths. Because Paul doesn't work that way. He didn't leave chapter 6 without making sure to give that way clearly at the end. And it's not very different from how he ended chapter 5. He ends this verse by saying, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
So, there is only one way to escape eternal punishment and enter into eternal life. In Christ. And that's it. You see, that's the purpose of the gospel. That's why we give the gospel. That's why we learn the gospel. Is to understand that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man will come to the Father except through Him. The gospel of Christ brings us to saving faith and a knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and also a true knowledge of who our God is. That eternal life of knowing God and knowing Christ. We will understand who our God is and there is no other way. We must, like Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe the gospel. That's the first message Jesus began preaching as he left the wilderness. Repent and believe the gospel. And if we do not, eternal punishment is where we will be after we die. You see, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. John 3. I'm going to read verses 16 through 21. Because I want you to understand how, clear, how clearly Jesus makes the way as he is teaching the people about who he is and the great salvation with which he saved us. John three sixteen through 21 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him might be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Jesus makes the path clear. A belief in Christ, the Son, will bring eternal life. Now, many take... John 3.17 to say that, there, that no one is condemned. And some actually have pushed it as far as to say that there's no hell anymore because of what he says in John 3.17. But I think this is a terrible way to take this verse out of context because we have to look at verse 18, what it says next. It says in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Beautiful verse. Let's read verse 18. For whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. It is clear that there is condemnation for those who do not believe in Christ. What verse 17 is saying is that Christ was well within his rights as God to come to this earth and just wipe it out, punish sin. But, but, he chose instead to make a way that men might be saved. 
You understand the true love of God. Look at that. God is just and well within his rights to punish sin to the uttermost, to send fire down. Which is really kind of what the Pharisees wanted. And at times it's what his disciples wanted. Lord, they didn't accept us in that town. Let's, let's, let's rain fire on them. And what did Jesus say? You don't even know what spirit you're of. He was well within his rights to say, get rid of them. But what did he do instead? To show the great mercy of our God by making a way to salvation. We would all do well to remember that. That even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. There is no way for us to make ourselves holy enough to bring ourselves to Christ. Yet out of his infinite love and mercy, he went to the cross, despising the shame, took all of our sin upon himself, endured the full wrath of God and the punishment for sin on that cross, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That whosoever would believe in him would not suffer condemnation, but, uh, but, but be held by the power of the Holy Spirit and clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Every man will have to stand before Christ and answer the path they took. And just like it happened in Matthew 25, some will go to eternal punishment, but if we are in Christ, we have already entered our eternal life because of the knowledge of God in Christ, and we will go on to eternal glory with Him, be like Him. And, and I'm thankful for that. You see, Christ talks about it here. He says that those who go into the eternal punishment, they, they love the darkness rather than the light. That's why they love their sin. Just like all of us did when we were in sin and not in Christ. When we were slaves to sin, we loved our sin. It was awesome. It made us feel good. We enjoyed it. it. Made us feel better about ourselves, right? But it was darkness. Thanks be to God that because of Christ we have come to the light. Christ has made the way. Christ hasn't just made the way. He is the only way. Now, I'm a firm believer that every Christian needs to hear the gospel. Why? For one thing, he reminds us of the great Savior with which we've been saved. 
He reminds us of the awfulness that we have been delivered from and that we have been delivered out of darkness into his marvelous light. The gospel is this. You were dead in your trespasses. If you're not in Christ, that's still your state. You are dead in your trespasses. No way to come before a holy God justified. Your sin is offensive to Him. Your sin leads to more sinfulness. And then in the infinite love and mercy of a just God, before the foundation of the world, before He ever spoke light into existence and created this earth, He made a plan. And that plan was to save you. To redeem you unto Himself. So we see throughout the entire Old Testament. Failure and redemption. Failure and redemption. Failure and redemption. To show us we're sinful. And that we've got to have a Savior. And then, a little over 2,000 years ago, a child was born of a virgin. He was born fully God and fully man. He was the entire deity of God dwelled within Christ Jesus. He lived a life sinless. Why? Because you can't. He did. You can. He fulfilled all of the law. Then upon the cross, He took upon Himself all of our sin. And He began to endure the wrath of God and punishment for that sin. Did He deserve it? No. We deserved it. They offered him, I don't know if you've ever researched this, they offered him a cup of wine mixed with myrrh. Do you know what that does? Wine mixed with myrrh deadens pain. And what did he do? He wouldn't take it. Because he had to endure the full wrath of God so that you wouldn't have to. So now, at the end, if you have repented and believed the gospel, if you are in Christ, what you have deserved for most of your life is punishment for sin. The wrath of God poured out upon you. And God, through His great mercy, has never done that. And then if you were in Christ, He has already poured His wrath out upon Jesus Christ. And He will not Pour it out upon you. And that is what changes us. That is what makes us different. That is why as a Christian, we do good. That is why as a Christian, we don't necessarily live like everybody else. And the thing is, it's a great life. But those who don't know Christ, those who are not in Him, 
will have to endure his wrath forever. So what does that make our hearts want to do? Share the gospel. Anybody who hears this, however they might hear it, through our podcast, through our church videos, through you telling somebody what you heard this Sunday, I pray that they would run to Christ and cling to him for their hope and their salvation. Because there is no justification in anyone else. We are saved by grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. The scripture alone tells us that. And it's all for the glory of God. That's the gospel. And I look at this. And as I study something like this. I feel two things within myself. One, a great weight. Oh, how I wish everybody knew this. Oh, how I wish I could speak this to every person alive. And that they would understand that the Holy Spirit would convict them of their sin and they would run to Christ. And repent. And trust in Him. Oh, how I wish that. But I also feel something else. Extreme relief and gratitude. That as the song that Jen sang this morning, Christ before me, Christ behind me, I am firmly held. And no man could snatch me out of his hand. No man. Angels or demons or principalities, things on this earth or things above, nothing. Nothing. Could stop it. And that's a wonderful feeling. And I pray that you leave here with the assurance of that great salvation. Be assured, if you are in Christ, your citizenship is in heaven. And one day, you will see him face to face. He will wipe every tear from your eye. And you will be changed forever. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you so thankful for the great redemption with which you have saved us. That we are justified by faith in Christ alone. That when we are in Christ, we can never be taken out of him. That we are saved from the wrath to come. God, right now we pray for all those who don't know you. That in some way, they may hear the gospel and be forever changed by it. That they may be born again into your kingdom, adopted into your family as sons, and forever changed. For this is a life that is unlike any other life. And we thank you that you have brought us unto yourself, that we may live that kind of life. I pray for every person who hears this message that they may be forever 
forever changed by the message of the gospel. And they may have a true desire just to seek you more and to bring others to knowledge of who you are in their lives. We give you honor and praise this morning and thank you for all of the power and the glory with which you keep us and hold us firmly. Touch each of our families. Touch all those who may be suffering from sickness or job loss or anything else, God. Those who are shaken by the divisiveness in our world, that they may have peace in Christ, knowing that he has saved us. And now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I'll be going live at 7 on Wednesday for B2B. God bless y'all and y'all have a great afternoon. We hope you were blessed by this message from Pastor Jason. If you like what you heard, go ahead to our Facebook page and like Reality Church. Also, go on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Reality Church. God bless you.